Wow. That was amazing video, wasn't it? It was so good. And, and hey, guys, let's, let's set a challenge here for every single lady in this house to come to PRISM and to invite one friend to come with you at least. And you know what would be even really cool is like consider, even for something like this, maybe that person that you're going to invite, talk to your husband, talk to whoever, and say, hey, maybe we should think about giving an offering for the Lord to inviting someone to come and paying for their registration as a gift into someone's life. I've been really feeling very strongly about giving unto others and building up other people. So as we come ourselves to PRISM, how awesome would it be to get every lady to say, hey, I'm going to find a friend and I'm going to pay for that friend to come with me. And it's times, you know, that, that the Lord just encourages us to step out above and beyond and just give to someone's life to better their life. Like a weekend like this could, could change the course of a woman's life. And I mean, you know, God's doing something beautiful in the lives of women all over the world. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus. It's awesome. Come on, you can do better than that. Let's give it up for the Lord and what he's doing in women's lives. It's amazing. Welcome. My name is Darren Davis, senior leader here. Just so honored to be a part of an incredible, incredible team. And I have the privilege of getting to share the word with us today. As a house, we have many, many good teachers here, but just get to share with you. And we're in a build series. Um, we've been looking at what God is building. Jesus said he would build the church, and he's doing a really good job at that. And it's an ever-increasing, ever-improving uh, reality that, that's been going on for 2,000 years now. And I'm just going to pick up where we've been uh, leaving off. Last week we had a, an amazing guest speaker, Andy Lehman, and before that Julie kicked off the series. And I'm just going to be building on what they've already said and talking um, about the building process of God in our lives. The building process of God in our lives. You know, we are all in this room walking through real life. Real life. And so today I just, today I just want us all to take a, a deep breath and, and really just allow the Lord to, to just kind of get off all of our like religious airs and, and the, you know, the veneers that we oftentimes wear on our face and just really go to a place in our hearts this morning with the Lord about the realities that every single one of us, including Wendy and I, are facing day in, day out in the process of life. And, and really allow God to speak to us this morning on what he is doing in all of our lives, whether we see it or not, through this process that, that we're walking through. And there's, and there's beautiful, beautiful things with life. And how many of you know there are challenging things that we're all facing in life? Our health, our jobs, our, our marriages, our finances, you know, all kinds of relational realities. This, this is the real deal, the real stuff. And I, think, I, I don't think there's anything more spiritual than really owning the struggle of life and, and bringing that into our relationship with God. You know, he is, he is so passionate about us and our lives, and he knows all that's going on. He knows the intricacies of what we're facing and what we're walking through, even more than we do. So why not include God right into that space? So we're going to talk about this process of what I'm, I'm titling Being Made. It's an ongoing process where we are being made 
into something beautiful. Now, we're going to be looking at one portion of Scripture alone this morning. I'm going to read that portion of Scripture, and then we're going to dive into it a little bit. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. And look at this with me. Paul the Apostle is writing to a group of churches in Galatia. It was a region in Asia. And he says to them, he says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people, and you are members of God's family. Verse 20. Together, this is a very important word, together, everybody say together. Together we are his house. Now notice the build word here, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord, Through him, verse 22, you Gentiles are also, here we go, being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. This Friday, I was going down to Miami. I was making the treks actually to Kendall, which is the ends of the earth. Can I get an amen? And if you don't get down there by a certain time, let me tell you something. The traffic is horrific. And in the midst of this traffic, I was being tested whether or not I was actually born again. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Failing on multiple levels during this journey. But prior to the game, I actually had some friends that Wendy and I have known since 1993, going all the way back to Birmingham, before Bible school, before our exit from the corporate world and all that kind of stuff. And they've been living in Miami for like a year. We haven't been able to connect with them. So I saw them before the game and was able to hang out with them. And, and the, the, the gentleman of this couple, who are older than Wendy and I, he's, he's a, he was a former brilliant attorney, just such a, an amazing mind. But one of, those, one of those very unique individuals who just walks in, in such beauty with the Lord, and he's always like, you know, kind of perceptive of what God's doing in his own life, but, but around the world. And so we were just kind of reflecting about our early years of our friendship, which were through the 90s up until 2000, and, and those that, that were alive at that time uh, and mature in, 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 the, in, in, in church, that you can remember there was a lot of stuff that was going on in that 10-year period. There were a lot of moves, different moves of God that were happening around our country. There was a revival in in Pensacola called the Brownsville Revival. There was another revival in Canada. There was just a lot of very unique things happening in the body of Christ. There was a worship movement that was being really released on the earth, primarily through the vineyard churches. And I remember actually even in Birmingham going to this little church, and, and, and they had some of the most profound, amazing worship and the songs that were being written. It was just an incredible time. But but we were also talking about, you know, kind of now how it's, it's a little different season. It's a different season through the, for the body of Christ. And, and he was sharing, we were opening up our hearts, and he was sharing about a, a, a really deep and traumatic trial that he walked through with his family. And, and, and I was like, wow, I didn't even know. I didn't even know you guys were going through all of this. And then I shared some stuff with him, and, 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 and we were just, you know, really there for each other around a table, 
You know, we were just sitting having food together. And, and this is why, guys, as we've launched our small groups, it's so important to get in these settings. We're just around food, and then you start dialoguing about the Word of God, and you're there to pray for each other because we were talking about real life. Real life. Over 20 years now that we've been both walking through. And, and so he asked me, as he always does, Darren, what do you see God doing? And, you know, he's talking about now. You know, yesterday is yesterday, and yesterday is beautiful. But how many of you know God's not trying to repeat yesterday? You know, I mean, what God did in the church yesterday. It's, it, there's a different moment now, and we need to get caught up to the now. There was things that God was doing in us, you know, five, ten years ago, but there's things he's wanting to do in us now. Are you following me? And so he was like, what is God doing now? And I, I shared some of my thoughts. And, and basically, what, what, we were, what we came to the conclusion of was that God has us all in a process where he has been working on some of the deepest places of our lives if we would let him, getting us ready to have the capacity, hear me, of carrying a sustained, ever-increasing move of God by his Spirit inside of our own lives and then carrying that into our various spheres of influence to transform culture. It no longer, I'm not saying these things won't happen, but it's not, we're not looking for some revival to break out somewhere necessarily, although that would be awesome if it did. But how many of you know, even those revivals of the past, there's nothing happening in those cities, really, as much as it was at the time, for sure, um, you know, anymore. Because God's moving us on. He's like, listen, those were times of momentum, but I'm wanting to bring my presence into your heart in such a way where it is sustained and it's ever increasing and then you're taking that into your everyday world to bring change and it was a really amazing time together and here's what we said at the end of our of our lunch together we said this and we we challenged each other we want to hear everybody say here what god is saying and then be a part of what God is doing. Say doing. So we want to hear what God is saying. We want to be a part of what he is doing. So as Paul is writing to the Galatians, I want to give you some context, and then we're going to jump into this. Scholars believe that it was the first letter that he wrote in the entire New Testament. And I like that because I think there's some powerful things that we can learn from this book because there was, there was, there was a priority on what he was trying to share with the body of Christ. Okay? And he wrote the letter, you got to hear this, in response to finding out that the churches in this region were in error. In other words, they were missing it. And what was happening was they were, they were, they were given over to both legalism and lawlessness. The two terrible ditches that we can oftentimes find ourselves in, in church. Legalism, horrible, lawlessness, the same. And there were these Judaizers or false apostles and prophets who sought to move the Gentiles away from a theology of grace 
by making them live under the Mosaic law as a requirement in the Christian faith. And there was a thing primarily that they were focused on called circumcision. That if you weren't circumcised, that, you know, anyhow, we're not going to get into that. That's a horrible topic. Men, can I get an amen? All right, <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> but, but, but then there was a flip-flop response of these false prophets and apostles where they were saying that grace, because they, they, that, that wasn't really working for them too well, and then they flip-flopped the other side. Okay, now grace is this freedom which gives license to lawlessness. So Paul was getting this feedback, and he reminds them that justification, that's a theological term, it simply means to be proven right or righteous. God has proven us right in his Son or righteous in his Son, is an act of grace through faith, okay? And it's a gift, hear me, this is what he was trying to communicate to them. It's a gift that has freed us from the power of our old sinful nature and has empowered us to look like Christ our King who has conquered all things, as Andy talked about last week. That's what he was reminding them of. Now, picking up here in verse 11, Paul tells them, who, by the way, he was a Jew, and here he is ministering to these Gentiles. He says, don't forget, you Gentiles used to be outsiders. So he, so he was reminding them of where they came from. He says in verse 12, prior to Christ, you were excluded from citizenship. There was no entry into this country called the country of God, you know. They couldn't get in. There was no visa application process. They were, they were complete foreigners living in a foreign land called the world, all right? And he says, but now in verse 13, this is important. This is, this is a transitionary verse, and we got to get this is where we are right now. He says, but now you have been united with Christ. You have been united with Christ Jesus. You were once far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Now, here's what we have to understand. That piece of scripture, you've got to highlight this. You've got to put it all over your house. That piece of scripture, that work is finished. It's not something that's in process. There's process that we're going to talk about today, but that is not one of them. That is finished. You have been now united with Christ. And you've been brought near to him. God is not distant from you. Darren, when you were sinning in your car, driving to your son's birth, uh, football game, I was right in the car with you, seeing you do all the dumb things that you were doing that day. Can I get an amen? He was not outside of my, my reality. He's, he's, he's with me. That work is finished, okay? Now, this is important because having confidence in what Christ has accomplished in you through the shedding of his blood is key to us all being established in our identity. It's paramount. If you don't get what I just mentioned, it's going to affect everything about how you act and how you react to what God is actually ultimately up to. Because identity solidifies our inclusion in the family of God. 
And it instills within us the confidence needed. You've got to catch this. The confidence needed to move with grace through the process of life. I was telling, we had a little connect with, with the worship team and some others this morning early, as we do each week now. But I was telling them that there's been some deep places in God that I've been going to that involve my heart that he prepared me for like 10 years before he even went there. Because there was some process that needed to happen to even get me ready for that moment. Because how many of you know when God touches on some aspects of our life that hinder, that are there, that are hindering his love, it can be pretty painful. Right? But when you know who you are and you know that you are included in God's family, because look what, look what he says next. He says, you are no longer, verse 19, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, you are no longer orphans. You're not excluded. You're not, because see, the enemy tries to make you feel, oh, you don't belong. Or you don't, you, don't, you don't have what it takes to be a part of this thing called the kingdom of God. When the enemy says that to you, just tell him, just, just. Because that, that is finished. That is not process at all. No, I'm part of God's family. He is near me. His, his blood has accomplished a work in my life that is complete process of bringing all the beauty forth from us is a journey. No longer strangers or orphans. We're we're citizens along with all of God's holy people. We are members of God's family. Now identity, you guys know this that have been around here for a while. Identity, when we have that established in our heart, it makes way for intimacy. Because you understand God is with us. So you're not hiding from the Lord when in process you don't feel worthy. Your your heart is open to intimacy with God. When intimacy is there, you begin to awaken to purpose or to destiny. It's just the way it goes, and that's why we're trying to really lead people in this understanding. But here's what I want to answer this morning. i got to do it quick. What is our collective destiny? Because it's not individual. It's a collective destiny. And here it is in Ephesians 2.22. He says this. Through him, talking about Jesus, you Gentiles are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Now quickly, you've got to understand this. God desires to live on the earth now by his spirit working in and through our lives. He's not waiting, listen, oh, the millennial reign and God's going to come and live on the earth forever. Yes, but he's wanting to live on the earth now. Because if he doesn't come and live on the earth now, there is a lot of problems out there in the world that don't have to be going on because, because his people are here and we're the answer to those problems, right? So he wants to be living on the earth now, part of this dwelling place 
that is being made where God lives by his spirit. So God desires to live on, his earth, on the earth now. And through those who are in process, he is building a dwelling place where his presence can abide for the purpose of his kingly rule on the earth. So as God is putting us into churches, spiritual family, this is what he's doing. He's bringing us together so that we make each other better. And through the collective whole of what God is doing in all of our lives through process, he is coming and finding a place to find rest where he can dwell on the earth through our community. You see, I believe this. All of the problems that are plaguing the earth right now and society could be resolved if every human being understood this, that they've been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ and they've been bought back into the family of God by that one act, which is complete. Number two, that they can be established in their true identity and not what the world has tried to make them think that they are, who the world is trying to make them think that they are. Number three, that they actually can carry the presence of God on the inside of themselves. And they can manifest the essence of God's nature and character here in this life. It's possible. You see, as we're joined together in relational community, there's momentum that can begin to come forth to see wholeness in our marriages in our relationships. Beauty, where there's been ashes in our spheres of influence, come. Change happen. And this is what it means to be being made part of this dwelling place where he lives by his spirit. Now quickly, I'm going to give us a key to understand how this is taking place. And it's found right here in the context of these verses, verse 20. Look at this. It says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus. Now, cornerstone, it means this. It means basic element. And the basic element of what God is building is the question, who is Jesus? Now, this may sound narrow, but I'm telling you, the question to the world and the question to us and the question that everybody needs to answer is, who is Jesus? Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic? Or is he truly Lord, like Andy talked about last week? One of those answers is true. Who is Jesus? Jesus, this is the basic element of how God is building something beautiful on the earth. That must be answered. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He says, when it comes into our minds, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about Jesus is what will affect humanity, period. Because the cornerstone, the basic element of who Jesus is, affects the living stones. If you look at the Bible, it says that we are these living stones being built together as in God, into God's house. A living stone is a duplicate of the cornerstone. So if you don't know who Jesus is, you can't know who you are. Oh, come on, guys. 
Thank you, Dean. You're present and accounted for. Dean Bergman, right here in the front row. (laughs) But think about this. The foundation of the apostles and prophets, man, I could go really deep into that, but I'm not going to for the sake of time. But foundation means the beginning or those who go before others. And and apostles and prophets, let's just break it down, make it really simple. Prophets, what are we hearing about who Jesus is? Apostles, then what are we doing with what we hear? It's both. Who is he? What are we hearing? Then apostles, what are we doing? Apostles are sent ones. And listen, here, someone needs to hear this. It is tough being a foundation or ones that go before other people because sometimes you feel alone in that. You ever been the first Christian in your family? You ever been the only Christian in your workplace? What about the only Christian in your neighborhood or maybe even, you know, being around other believers but they're not really like you and they don't really get what you're feeling about this passionate thing to change the world? Do you ever feel alone in that place? And then I always ask the question, God, why me? And he's like, you're a foundation. And, 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 and I'm laying something in your life and it may be really hard, but this is where you got to find other people to encourage you. And in this church, that's why we're all running together for something which is transformed people, transforming culture. And we're going to keep talking about that until we see a, a, a catalyst moment and things begin to change. When I was in high school, my dad owned a commercial construction company. And I would work there in the summers, and this is what got you know, me instilled to actually go on and get a degree and move out of that space. Can I get an amen? I was not built for manual labor. Come on, somebody. But I was, I was the, the slump tester on these jobs. Slump tester. Darren, what are you talking about? Well, it's, it's, it's where we'd pour the concrete foundation on new buildings, and I would have to slump test The concrete and the slump test measures, I'm going somewhere with this, hold on, we're closing. The slump test measures the consistency of the fresh concrete before it sets. You gotta catch this. So before it hardens, you gotta find out the the status of the concrete. And it's performed to check the workability of freshly made concrete. It can also be used as an indicator of an properly mixed batch. In other words, it's going to be a bad foundation. And to ensure uniformity for the different loads of concrete that will come into that project under the field conditions. So here I am, this 16-year-old kid, and they'd roll up in the concrete truck and show this picture, and I would take the concrete and put it in this cone, this slump tester cone, and I would, I would pull the cone off the concrete, and I would see how wet the consistency was and if it was too watered down show the next photo if it was like this they couldn't fix the concrete and I'd have to tell these grown men get the truck on out of here and come back with a new batch guys these guys would look at me they're like you little 16 year old And it was costing them thousands of dollars. But if the mixture was too watered down, the foundation of the building 
was not going to sustain what God was wanting to do with the floors and stories that were coming after. Now, oh my God, I, please, one minute here. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, he says, these are the gifts given to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And here's what he says in verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And he says this in verse 13. This will continue until we all come into such unity of the faith and knowledge of God's Son, hearing that we will be mature in the Lord and full up to the full and complete standard of Christ doing. Think about this. Hearing? What a profound invitation. Come and follow me. The greatest words that ever echoed throughout all of eternity. Hey, world, I am Jesus. Do you know who I am? Can you hear what is being said to the earth? Come now and follow me and begin to do things in the world. As you align with me, you will become a living stone that looks just like me. Oh, I can imagine the father's up there slump testing the church. He's like, oh, whoa, bad foundation. That's what was happening with the, with the false apostles and prophets that were trying to come into the church in Ephesus. It's always been the case. So you know what that means? That means pain for me and the rest of my team as God's like, hey, if you're going to be a foundation for these friends, I'm going to have to go deep. Ooh. I never understood that till years and years into ministry. And you know what? If you're sitting out there, I guarantee God's going deep with you. LeBron James. The world's tried to teach us that greatness is gathered in some moment. That is the biggest lie. Greatness is gathered over time and process. You see, out of 48 minutes in a basketball game, LeBron James has his hands on that ball of an average of five to six minutes, and that's it. So the greatness is not found in his game, although you're looking at it going, man, that guy's great. No, it was the thousands and thousands of hours from high school to college. And he didn't go to college. He got drafted out of high school. That he put in. Stand with me all over this place. Listen, you're in this room And God has had you go through, you've been through all kinds of things. You'll go through all kinds of things between now and the time you take your last breath. Embrace it. Reframe it. It's not about good or bad. It's about the journey with the Lord. And then in it, asking the question, God, even in a hard time, what can you do for me in this moment that you never could in a good time? Because God takes all things and he makes them beautiful. Because he is making the concrete of your question 
Who are you, Jesus? Solidified. Come on. When we go through a tough time, what's the biggest thing that, we, that comes to our mind? God, what, what are you doing? What, are you even real? Is this What's going on here? And the enemy is leveraging that reality and he's trying to keep us watered down so that we move to crazy extremes and the Lord is like no understand that I am the king over all things and this is how we're building our life Holy Spirit would you build us on the beautiful foundation of hearing doing of apostles and prophets of those looking at the lives of those who have gone before us and finished the race (laughs) who never quit who never gave up who never got disillusioned who never got off into error who never did some crazy sinful thing that bankrupted their life. Raise up a bride that is walking with you through process that you can build upon something strong and firm with them that God, they will have capacity to carry the real glory that's coming to the world. We're going to sing this song. We're going to have our ministry teams come. Listen to me. Just this last week, I got news of a 32-year-old minister of the gospel, incredibly gifted. Guys, I'm telling you, coming out with some of the most amazing theology. He just got stripped of his entire ministry because he was having multiple, multiple affairs with all these women. And I asked the Lord about it. I was, what, what was this? And he said, not enough process before he had his moment. Darren, I feel these things in my heart and they're not yet, they haven't come yet. Thank the Lord for that. Say, God, as much process as, because listen, we're not looking for one touch of the ball for four minutes and thinking that's going to make us. No, it's thousands of hours with Jesus. So we're going to sing this song and and, and as we do, you you are officially dismissed. But I want to encourage you, if there's people in this room, you're going through a hard time right now and you need to be strengthened, there's a moment here that we want to pray for you, we want to stand with you, we want to bless your life and, 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 and encourage you to go on with God. Justin's going to sing this song over us. Listen, God bless you guys. Have an amazing Sunday. Can we just give the Lord a huge hand clap of praise? Come on. For what you've done, God. For what you've done. Come on. Amazing. Amazing.